Now let the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Our scripture reading for today is from the New Revised Standard Version Bible, and our reading for today is from John chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with that person. Jesus answered him, Very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, Yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. We continue our Lenten journey, this time meeting by night. Who is Jesus meeting under the cover of darkness? A Pharisee named Nicodemus. He comes to Jesus at night and says to him that he knows he is a teacher from God. Now one of the first questions to come up is, why are they meeting by night? But I think we have a reason for that. I think it's the fact that Nicodemus is a Pharisee. He's trying to understand Jesus and what he teaches. There's one thing that's a constant Throughout John, it is a clash between Jesus and the religious experts. All those traditional religious authorities take issue with what Jesus has to say, often because it's not terribly kind for those who currently hold power. Nicodemus may have been worried that he might have a falling out with the other Pharisees if they knew. It might hurt his public image. But he's curious. So he comes to get answers by night. He and Jesus have a discussion. Jesus starts with something that causes some confusion. That no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. This seems to be a stumbling block for Nicodemus. Because Nicodemus can't get past the literal, physical meaning those words have. 
He doesn't know how someone can go through the birthing process a second time. His problem with what Jesus has said gets at a big issue. That at first glance, Nicodemus seems kind of foolish because it seems like a ridiculous objection. Our gut reaction might be to laugh at his inability to understand, except I see the same thing happen all the time. Because the problem is that Nicodemus is taking everything literally. Jesus is speaking figuratively. He is speaking of a truth beyond simple simple physical understanding. But this is a rather common thing for people to do. We can just as easily read something in the Bible and think it must simply be physical reality, and we too strip away symbolic and metaphorical meaning. And while trying to justify how something can be physically true, we may end up like Nicodemus, except that we argue against observation and experience in trying to justify how we understand Scripture. How does Jesus respond to Nicodemus? That one must be born of both water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. What is born of the spirit is spirit. Now, Jesus is making a bit of a distinction on this, and he's talking about another kind of birth, not the physical one, but a gift of the spirit. Now, these are things that we often associate with baptism, which itself is a symbolic act. We saw Jesus baptized last week in a symbolic act. John was not out there in the wilderness washing dirt off people so they could repent, but was helping people symbolically cleanse themselves so they could change their hearts and lives. We take on new life when we are born into the Spirit. We invite the Holy Spirit to be a part of our lives. We dedicate ourselves to following God and are born again by the Spirit. We accept that it is a symbolic thing. And we have to remember that we can't always jump to a conclusion the way Nicodemus does on whether or not something is symbolic or literal. Now at this point, it seems like Nicodemus still isn't quite understanding what Christ is saying. It might be because the symbolism he's using flies over Nicodemus' head. He might be so wrapped up in the physical acts that he can't absorb the spiritual. It might be because Nicodemus is used to ritual cleanliness and purity codes, but not about a personal relationship with the spirit. And Nicodemus is struggling, partly because it still sounds like he's having trouble getting past his own preconceived notions. What Nicodemus is hearing doesn't match what he was expecting, and now he's struggling to understand what Jesus is actually saying because he's still framing it in his own reference. Jesus isn't talking about a second physical birth. Jesus is talking about living a life in God through the Spirit. They seem to be stuck. Jesus is telling him that if he can't understand these things, how is he going to understand the deeper teachings that he has for him? 
It is here that we get to what many would consider the most important part of today's reading. John 3.16 is the most well-known verse in the Bible. I could probably ask any of you and you'd be able to tell me at least one version of it from at least one translation. And most of them have been written to keep this same format. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. There may be extra words, or it may be slightly changed, but it's the same meaning. However, just as we talked about pulling a verse out of context last week, verse 16 here is understood best when we know what surrounds it. We start with the prologue, because Jesus likes reaching back and citing the scriptures. This time he quotes from Numbers chapter 21, recounting Moses in the wilderness. Jesus recounts the story of Moses praying and asking for deliverance for the Israel, Israelites that have rebelled. They have not been behaving themselves. So Moses puts a serpent of bronze on a staff and lifts up that serpent in the wilderness that whoever sees it will be saved. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. This is the lead-up to John 3.16. It is talking about saving people from sin, delivering the people who had gone astray. So when we reach that next line, we have a framework in place. God loved the world. To reach out to who? To those who have gone astray. Why? So that they can live. That those who believe in the Son of Man may find eternal life. How are we to fully understand John 3.16? We understand it by verse 17. Why has Jesus been sent? Not to condemn the world? Not to sentence the world for failing, not to turn his back on the world. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Christ's message is not one of despair, but one of hope. Christ's message is not about who is to be condemned, but who can be saved. Christ's message is not about casting others down, but about God lifting up. This is the context for God's great love. This is the theology of John. Who are we? We are people. We are flesh. We are born of the flesh, but called to be born of the Spirit. Why? Because we are called to live in Christ. Why? Because he came to save the world. Did he come to condemn it? No. Out of love he came to save it and in love redeem us. And that's the message. That is what comes from this meeting by night. Something must have resonated 
with Nicodemus. At some point, he must have been convinced of Christ's message. Because in John's gospel, he makes another important appearance. Nicodemus is there to help Joseph of Arimathea place Christ in the tomb, bringing myrrh and aloes for the burial. Nicodemus may have taken some time to fully understand, and that's okay. Sometimes faith takes time. Not everyone has a singular moment when everything changes, but sometimes it is a gradual shift. But we can take away a few things from this interaction. This exchange helps us to fully understand God's love for us. It helps us to understand how easily we can confuse ourselves by ignoring the mystery of faith. Faith isn't built on physical evidence. Faith is not built on scientific methods. And not everything in the Bible is meant to be taken as physical reality. We can be like Nicodemus and get so hung up on literalness that we fail to understand the symbolism. We can get so focused on everything being literal that we literally miss the point that Jesus is making. It is easier for us to understand God's love when we can embrace the mystery of faith. Because even if it is a mystery for us as to why God would love us, we can rest assured that he does. We can find hope in the truth of Christ's message of salvation. It is that message of hope and love that helps me to prepare my heart, mind, body, and soul. So I continue last week's challenge of engaging with Scripture during this season of Lent. I pray that as we engage with Scripture that we allow ourselves to understand the message that we may find. That we may grow in our understanding as we process the illusions, the allegory, the parable and the proverb, the poetry and the proclamations, all there so that we can more deeply understand the character of God. So as we move more deeply, as we more deeply engage with Scripture in this season of preparation, let us understand the deeper meanings let us not get hung up on physicality and historicity. But let us embrace what it tells us about our God's love. And may we do so, that we may grow that much more in our love and understanding, so that we may once more discover how deep and wonderful God's love is. And may we once again discover that wonderful gift of salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.